Chandler just kind of jumped on that. He was like, when are we going to do something? I don't know. Why don't you plan it and do it? So that's kind of how we roll here. If you want to do something, then just say, and just do it, okay? So no holding back. <laughs> awesome. So here we are, Easter Sunday, right? The launch of Hope Community Church, the official launch. So we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're connected with us. So glad you came to hang out with us. Uh, and we're here to talk about hope. Hope is here. Is kind of, that's, that's our purpose. That's what we're all about. That's what we do. That's what we talk about. That's what we're infused with. We're kind of contagious with it. And we just want our entire neighborhood, community, and everyone to know that because of, because of Christ, hope is here because he is hope. And because he is hope and he's now on the inside of you, guess what? You're hope. So wherever you are, hope is here. Awesome? So what we're going to talk about today is that there is so much more beyond the cross. Every Easter, uh, there's a lot of messages that talk about the cross. But can I tell you, the cross happened on Friday, and today is Sunday. And what happened on Friday was a beautiful thing, and I know it was ugly, nasty, um, it's beyond rated R, what happened in that moment, because when you start thinking about the, the grossness of all of your sin and all the sin of the universe, and we've talked about what sin is. Sin is missing the mark or misunderstanding who the Father is. That compounded throughout all of time being placed onto the Son of the living God, Jesus. All of it infused in him. And in that moment, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all taking care of what needed to be taken care of in that moment. All the wrath, all the stuff that we built up. It wasn't Father in heaven looking down at his son and seeing him as an ant and squishing him and going, okay, this will pay for everything. No. All, think about it. What happens when we have a misguided picture of what the Father's like, of what God's like? We do dumb stuff. We even do dumb stuff in the name of God. And so you can imagine all of that compounded over time created this wrathful moment that needed, that needed something to happen, and that's when Jesus steps in. Jesus steps in in this moment and gives his life. That happened on Friday. Saturday was a hold-up-and-wait day. Nobody likes holding up and waiting, Right? It kind of puts you in a picture of sometimes when you're in the process and you're in the middle of waiting. It doesn't feel good. But at the same time, there's hope because, not to get old school, but Sunday's coming. Resurrection's coming. The new you is coming. The new perspective is coming. The life is coming. So you've got to hold on. I like to think, uh, this whole week I, I created a playlist on Spotify and I put down all these songs that, that and some of them were, were Christian and some of them were songs like, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. That's what I played yesterday. You ain't seen nothing yet. But baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because it was coming Sunday, right? Everybody's holding up and waiting Saturday. The whole uh, journeys don't stop believing. Can you imagine the disciples in that moment? They were told he's going to raise again, Right? Don't stop believing. All this stuff is going on, and then you get to Sunday. So we're going to turn to Luke 21. I've actually got it up here. Wow. Might, be able to, might want to read it here and sit over there. It's Colossians. Go back to Luke. Is Luke on there? That's, huh? 
Keep going back. Do I not have it on there? Maybe I don't have it on there. I thought I did. Go back again. Keep going. No. Go back one more. You know what? I guess maybe I didn't put it on there. So you can just look at the picture while I read it. How about that? That'll work. You can imagine it while I read it. (laughs) But we're in Luke 21. I don't even have the right scripture written down. It's actually Luke 24. How about that? (laughs) So go to Luke 24 if you're there. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, very very early Sunday morning, the women made their way to the the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, Jesus' mother. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there, stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men in, the, in, in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. And the men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living one in the tomb? He is not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you? While he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man is destined uh, to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day he will rise again. And all at once they remembered his words. Leaving the tomb, they went back to break the news to the eleven and to all the others of what they had seen and heard. And when the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense, and they were unable to believe what they had heard. But Peter jumped up and ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty, and there was only the linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away, wondering what it meant. So here's the first thing that happens on Sunday morning. The ladies discovered that Jesus had risen. I was hoping the ladies would go, woo Because, you know, there's so much emphasis on what men do in the church, but can I tell you, the ladies were the first ones to discover what happened. <laughs> the first evangelist, they're the first one to, dis- to tell everyone the good news, he has risen. And what did the men do? No. Right? Which is what we normally do when our wives say, hey, there's something going. It shows you the importance of ladies in the church, that they're not just uh, Sunday school teachers or whatever. They're actually leaders, real leaders, sometimes more leaders than men are. And they have the fivefold gifts of the ministry and the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing through them just as much as anyone else. We all walk in this together, right? And it's not a dink that this shows up first in the Gospels, that the ladies found Jesus first. It's almost like Jesus knew that we'd be stupid somewhere in the future and try to push women down. It's like, oh yeah, well let me show you something. This is what I want. Every time I meet somebody that says women can't be pastors, oh yeah, <laughs> first evangelists right here. Anyway, I'm not going to get on too big of a high horse. We'll stop there. I just want you, ladies, I want you to know how important you are to the kingdom and how important you are to what we do as a community, that you should never feel ashamed, never feel like that you were ever put under, never feel like you are lesser than anybody else, that you are an equal opportunity part of this. And just like 
Just like Chandler was up here and talking about Young Hope dealers, you have just as much passion and power and purpose on the inside of you that anything that you feel like you want to do in this community or any other community, you can do it because the same Christ that lives in all of us lives in you too. You can do whatever is in your heart, purpose, vision, direction that you want. It's all there. Never feel like you have to cower behind anybody. Then we get to this next section of chapter 24. It says, verse 13 says, Later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey about 17 miles, and they were in the midst of discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in the journey. And they were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Jesus said to them, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? Why are you so sad and gloomy? And they stopped, and one named Cleopas answered, haven't you heard? Are you the only, are, are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, what things? The things about Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders, and his words were powerful, and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priests and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Israel. Earlier this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said that they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed that two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. And some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb was empty like the women said but no one has seen him and jesus said to them why are you so thick-headed why have you found it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken why is it necessary for christ the messiah to experience all this suffering and then afterward to enter into his glory then carefully uh then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout all of scripture and he started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets and showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. And as they approached the village, Jesus walked ahead, telling them he was going on to a distant place. And they urged him, remain, stay with us, they pleaded. Stay with us, it's going to be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village and joining them at dinner for supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and then gave it to them. And all at once their eyes were open and they realized, hey, it's Jesus. Then suddenly, in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, Why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. And when they found the eleven and the other disciples together, they overheard them saying, It's really true. The Lord has risen from the dead. He has appeared even to Peter. Then the two disciples told the others what they had happened to them on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus had enveloped himself as he broke bread with them. Another awesome story, right? Go to that next slide. It's the famous picture of the walk to Emmaus. It's the one, there, there you go. Now, we've always shown these two disciples walking as Cleophas and it says the unnamed disciple. And we automatically, because this is kind of how it's been ingrained in our heads forever, that the other disciple was a man. But did you know that early church tradition said that it's Cleopas and his wife? A man and a woman? Cleopas and his wife's name was Mary. So Jesus meets with, Jesus is revealed to women first, and then the second time he's revealed, 
in the Gospel of Luke is to a married couple. Hmm. What other married couple that was Jesus revealed to in the past? Adam and Eve? Here we are at the beginning of the new covenant, this new revelation, this new life that we have, and Jesus is walking and talking and sharing revelation and revealing to a husband and a wife the new covenant reality of the, of the place that they are now in. He showed them, here's all the stuff that I fulfilled to put us into the position of right now so we can walk in the kingdom full of power and full of truth, that now you can go do all the things that I did. And then he goes and breaks bread with them and has communion with them, that he told them to do this in remembrance of me, and as soon as they did it, they remembered. Another not so dink. Something happened here. Something took place. Jesus was showing Cleophas and Mary their new identity. Here's the crazy thing. Cleophas in Greek means uh, fame or make famous. That's Cleo. Pas is a root of pater, which means father. So Cleophas' name actually means to make the father famous. So Jesus came and talked to the one who's called make the father famous. Go and show the world who the father actually is because before this, everybody's been telling him who he's not. But you are going to go and make and tell people who he is. Mary, Old Testament, meant bitterness. Bitterness because you could not bear children. It's crazy that an angel came and talked to the one who was Bitter because she couldn't have children. It's just what her name meant, Mary. And she conceived Jesus, the giver of life. So Jesus came and talked to the one who was called Make the Father Famous and told the one who was named Baron, you're not going to be barren anymore. He was reinitiating or reinstituting what was happening in the garden, showing the entire world that, listen, what we started, even though you all couldn't see it, guess what? Now you can, and we're doing it. You can see it now. You can walk in it. You can replenish the earth. You can gardenize the earth. You can take the kingdom to the ends of the world. There's no stopping this. Because we are now complete and now found in him. So now we're going to go to Colossians. Colossians 2. It says, I want you to know this so that no one will come and lead you into error through their persuasive arguments and clever words. Even though I'm separated from you geographically, my spirit is present there with you. And I'm overjoyed to see how disciplined and deeply committed you are because you have such a solid faith in Christ, the anointed one. In the same way, you receive Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith. Continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith and you have absorbed and enriched and enriched by your devotion to him. Go to that next one. 
Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they are filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindsets of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Go to the next one. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we have been buried with him into his death, and our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from the death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp, but now we have been rescued out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. Next one. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the oldest, the old arrest warrant that stood in, to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Go to the next slide. So Paul is talking about completeness. We are now made complete in him. The word complete is the Greek word pleroo, and it means to make full, fill up, be filled, cause to abound, fill to the top, to the brim, to complete, finish, fulfilled. All that imagery and all that language and all that, those words should sound familiar to you. One, Jesus said it on the cross. He said, it is finished, it is complete, it is fulfilled. He was talking about you. You are finished, you are complete, you are made full. Because he finished what was keeping you from being full. So he made the decree from that point. And it was a decree that has been screamed and yelled from the Father since the very beginning of time. Because in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2, it says over and over and over again. It is completed, it is finished, it is done, and then he finalizes it by saying, it is good. Over and over again. Go back and look at Genesis chapter 1. At the end of every section of every day, he sees things as being complete. When you read it in the Hebrew, there's more than just, well, it is good. Right? That's what we tell our kids. Well, see, he made everything, and it's good. It's swell. It's, it's more than that. <laughs> when you read it in Hebrew, it's, it, he sees the completeness of what he made and how he, he finished it. It's done, and he says, it is good. He put a stamp of approval on it, and that stamp of approval has never went away. 
what happened is our eyes got fixated on something other than what God declared good. And because our eyes got fixated from something else other than what God declared good, we started to get a distorted picture of the Father. And so we started seeing ourselves and everything around us as not being good. It gets to a point where we start telling people that they're not good. And what happens when you start telling people that they're not good? What are they going to do? Not be good. If, you, if, I, if, I, if I take Ezra and I keep telling Ezra, you're so horrible, I can't believe it, you're bad. You're a bad boy, you're a bad kid. What's eventually Ezra going to do? He's just going to be as bad as I make him out to be. That's too simple, it can't be like that. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> it really is. That's why over and over again, the relationship between father and son, mother and daughter, parents and children is constantly relatable to the, to, the, to the relationship between man and God. Because there's teaching moments in all of it. Just like when you get down on your child's level, on, down on your knees where you can look them straight into their eye and you can talk to them and speak to them and lovingly bring correction, lovingly bring direction, lovingly stir up the purpose and vision in them. When you, when you do that, instead of standing up above them and yelling at them, their hearts change. That's what Jesus did, the incarnation. Jesus came down and got on our level and talked to us face to face and showed us who we really are. In Genesis 2, you get another account of when he created man, and then when he gets to the end of creating man, he, he, he basically says, the entire universe, I see it. It is complete, it is full, it is finished, it is good. And he declares it over the entire universe. Jesus on the cross echoes the same words. Announcing, I'm showing you the reality of everything in this moment. You have seen the Father incorrectly. You saw him as an angry God up in heaven with gray hair and a gray beard, wearing flowing robes and a lightning bolt ready just to strike anyone down who does anything that he thinks is wrong. But I'm here to tell you that he has said from the beginning, it is complete, it is well, it is finished, and it is good. And I'm going to stretch my arms out on this cross and show you. He said, if I be lifted up, every human being will be drawn unto me. What was he doing? He was drawing all to him so they could see Father for who he really is.
we did that. So, because, you know, salvation and, and forgiveness of sins, yes, that is 100% true. But it, it is so much more than just that. It is a moment to share with the universe the completeness that the Father brings. The resurrection restores our ability to see that Christ finished, restored. He opened our eyes to the good things that has always been, that we are created in the Father's image. Jesus has always been, the Father has always been in the hope business. Never once has he ever been in the nope business. The only one that's ever been in the nope business is religion. That's the main byproduct of religion is nope. We see this, you see this in the, in the scripture in Colossians, Paul's warning over and over again, don't get caught up in human traditions that constantly go back to the teachings that father is angry and he wants to pour out his wrath on you and he wants to come against you because you did this and you did that and, and you, you, you broke this law or you broke this commandment. Jesus came in and said, listen, I fulfilled all that. I'm about relationship. If you go back and read the Old Testament over and over again, the prophets kept on saying, I desire what? And not... Over and over again, he constantly, and he's constantly, you see it revealed over and over again in the Old Testament. It's like it pops up every in a while, a moment of clarity. Um, uh, you guys want to talk about justice? Well, justice is doing this. It's, it's walking humbly, doing mercy, loving your neighbor. It's there over and over again. The prophets, it's almost like the light bulb turns on. Oh, yeah, this is what it actually is. And then Jesus shows up and just blows the whole thing up and just says, listen, I, this, this, if you want to know what the law is, this is it. Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. If you can get those three things down, guess what? You won't be an idiot. If you can love yourself, then you're able to love somebody else because you find out all the faults that you have, right? You see all the, oh, yeah, I, yeah. And then, so when you look at somebody else, well, you know what? They're going through some of the stuff that I went through. So I, I can love them just as much as, I mean, Jesus even went as far as to say, no, you shouldn't just love your neighbor. You should love your enemy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's the completeness that we find in him. We find the ability to do that. Why? Because we see Father. And through seeing the Father is Jesus. He's there and he's showing us. And it says over and over again, Paul says it especially, that Jesus is the mirror. And the mirror shows us who we are and how the Father sees us. And so in all of that, things begin to shift and to change. That is the revealing of the completeness, the present reality of where we are right now that we can live in. That's what's happening. And the more our eyes are open to that, the more it becomes real and we live it. 
the more we see that, the more depression and anxiety does not have a hold on us. It doesn't mean it doesn't pop up every once in a while. It means it doesn't control us. We push through it. Jesus is our hope. He is the reality that we now live in. He is the lens that we see everything from now. It is the perspective that we now see. In Revelation, uh, Jesus tells John to come up and see things from where he's at. That's your reality. That's where you are now. So if you ever feel like, man, I keep, I keep seeing all these trees. I, I keep feeling like I'm running into stuff. Then, then realize that Jesus says, well, why don't you come up here and see things from where I see them? I don't want to lose anybody, but I'm going to break nerd for a second. There's a scene in The Hobbit. When the crew finally gets to this forest, and it's so thick, it's so thick, and they can't see where they're going. And Bilbo climbs up the, one of the tall trees, and he gets all the way to the top, and he breaks out from all the leaves and all the branches and all the stuff. He gets all the way to the top, and he breaks out, and he looks, and there's all these butterflies. Audrey loves this scene. There's all these butterflies, and they're flying everywhere. And he sees the mountain that they got to get to. And it's just like right there at the end of the forest. But from where their perspective was, all they saw was cobwebs, spiders, dirt, rotten leaves, trouble, right? But from the different perspective, where they need to go is just right there. The completeness that Christ brings is like that moment when Bilbo popped up through that canopy of leaves and could see where he needed to go. That's your reality now. And there might be moments in your life when you feel like you're stuck in the bog again or stuck in the, the junk again or stuck in the cobwebs again, but that's not where you live. You shift into his perspective. The hope of the finished work that he did on the cross. So what we're going to close with. I want to read Colossians 2, but I'm going to read it from the mirror translation. Just a couple scriptures. And then we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And number one, if, if this idea of relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, this, this idea of walking in this completeness that Jesus brought at the cross, if that's something that's new to you or something that you've never experienced before, number one, let me tell you that that reality is available for you because Jesus just didn't do that for some. He did it for the entire universe. We read last week when Jesus came in on the donkey, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The word Hosanna means uh, praise to the eternal, universal Savior. So Jesus is the eternal, universal Savior. 
So that is for all. It's for everyone. No one is excluded. So if you feel like, man, I just felt, you know, because of this in the past or because of this or because somebody said this about me or because of situations or because of what I came out of or because of how what people say that I am, that, there, that, that, that just can't be a reality to me, let me tell you right now, in all honesty, in truth, as much truth as I can share with you today, that it is for you. It is for you. You're not excluded. The kingdom is very inclusive. I know church people, I know religion tries to make it very exclusive. It's only, you have to take a shower first before you come to church to get a shower. It makes no sense whatsoever. Sometimes I think there's, there's way more stinky people in the church than they are outside the church. But the Father is very inclusive. His arms are open wide. They're never standoffish, never closed, never. I know that might not be what you've been taught growing up. But let me reassure you, that's what Scripture says. Just go back and read the Gospels. And hear the interaction that Jesus has with everyday, ordinary people. And then compare that with those that would be considered inside a religious institution. And what you'll realize is the stuff that maybe you were told growing up or told when you were younger or even maybe told last week about who you are or how you are. That's the stuff that Jesus was telling to the religious leaders and not towards someone like you. Because the religious folks are the ones who should have known better. Because they were the ones continuing human traditions that made the Father look like an unloving person, an unloving God. So he was harsher with them because he was trying to wake them up. Because in all reality, they have a slave mentality, and sometimes the only time you can wake up a slave is to yell. To shake them out of that reality. To scream freedom in their face so they can know that they're free. Sometimes a prisoner has been a prisoner for so long that even when the chains and the doors are open, they still want to stay in the cell because that's all they know. Something inside them has to be awakened. And that's what you see that over and over again. Jesus was bold in their face. He was trying to say, you are not bound by this anymore. So I'm sorry if that was pushed onto you, that religious system. But Jesus is yelling freedom today, so you can receive that. Or if you're here and you, you've been doing this for a long time, but you just need a refresher, the Holy Spirit's here to refresh those things inside of you today. So I'm going to read this, these few passages of Scripture, and then I'm going to pray. And if you need prayer today, just come on up here, and, and I'll pray. Somebody else will meet you and pray with you. I, we're, we're a little early today, but that's all right. It's Easter. You've got to get home and eat Easter ham, right? We're having Easter roast beast because we're mainly like that. But Colossians 2, starting with verse 8, says, Make sure that you become no one's victim through the empty philosoph philosophical intellectualism and meaningless speculations 
molded in traditions and repetitions according to mankind's cosmic codes and superstitions and not consistent with Jesus. Any teaching that leaves you with a sense of lack and imperfection rather than completeness is a distraction from the truth. Everything that God is fully resides in Christ in human body. It is in him that God finds detailed expression of himself. God inhabits flesh. Our own completeness is mirrored in him. His I amness is in us, and it defines us. He is the final authority and heading up mankind's authentic identity. God packaged completeness in I am mirrored in you. You were in Christ when he died, which means that his death represents your true circumcision, your true death. Sin's authority in the human body was stripped off of you and him dying your death. In the same parallel, your co-burial and joint resurrection is now demonstrated in baptism. Your co-inclusion in Christ is what God's faith knew when he powerfully raised him from the dead. You were once spiritually dead, as confirmed in your constant failure, being bound to a lifestyle ruled by the distorted desires of the flesh, but now God has made you alive together with him, having forgiven you of all your trespasses. His body nailed to the cross hung there as a document of mankind's guilt. In dying our death, he deleted the detailed handwritten record of Adam's fall. Every stain that sin left on our conscience was fully blotted out. His brilliant victory made a public spectacle of every rule and authority empowered by the fall of Adam. The voice of the cross will never be silenced. Don't let anyone, therefore, bring a restriction to your freedom by revisiting religious rules and regulations pertaining to eating and drinking. And all the Jewish festivals and new moons and the Sabbaths have come to an end in Christ. All the restrictions are off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much. for the completeness that you have given us, this gift. We thank you that through your son, our eyes have now been opened because of what he did on the cross. You healed our woundedness that happened in the garden. the wound of not being able to see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit correctly. The wound that allowed us to create institutions and rules and regulations and things that set everything up to keep us under the thumb of condemnation. You came and you lived among us and you talked to us face to face, eye to eye. You lived life with us. You walked with us. You cried with us. And then you gave your life for us. You even went and hung out with all those that were held in captive that had died before you came. 
and shared hope is here with them. And then you rose from the dead. Out from the ground sprung new life, new position, new reality, new understanding. You opened our eyes to completeness, to finished work, to kingdom reality of who we are and where we go now. You brought salvation, complete healing, body, mind, and soul. All the wounds that we carry have been healed. You brought new perspective, new understanding, a new way of seeing. You brought the ability to see from where the Father is. You showed us that at your table, there was already a seat for us. It's always been there. You showed us that you were constantly inviting us to come and sit at the table. You showed us the perspective that we were the ones that put ourselves at the kids' table, and that's never where you wanted us. You wanted us at your table to sit and to talk and to hear and discuss and share thoughts, to talk, to communion, to commune, to have relationship, friendship. That's what you opened up to us now. So, Holy Spirit, come and do your work in and minister in this moment and stir our hearts. It's your goodness that leads us to repentance, to a changing of our minds, to, 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 to see things new, to shift. And in that shifting comes restoration of all the things that has always been promised to us. So I thank you for hearts that are opening and receiving today. They're receiving water like a flower that begins to open up to bloom. I thank you that there is blooming happening today, that, that up from the ground, a growing, a, a, a springing forth of new life, of new hope, of new identity, of new purpose, all that springing up, reaching up and opening up to receive sunlight and fresh rain and fresh light. I thank you that today has become a day of family because there's no better way to celebrate life and what you've done than to be with family and to hang out with family. And so I thank you that we could come together as our Hope community family. And I thank you for the opportunity that as we leave here, that we're going to go and spend time with our families and spend time with our friends and hang out with them. That that is the beauty of communion that happens in this life that you give. That we just live it together. We incarnationally, like you did with us, we just now live that out with each other. And we thank you for the opportunity to do that. 
And thank you for the food that we'll eat together as a sign of life. Thank you for just the opportunity to talk with friends. All that springs forth from this moment. Thank you that from that from this day, let us walk with a, a, a newness of life. This reality that we have, this hope that is here now. So we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. If, you, if anyone needs prayer for anything, feel free to come up. We'll pray. Um, and God is good.